0: The book of Colossians, starting in chapter three, in the first two uh, chapters, uh, Paul is basically establishing the gospel that the world was broken, mankind was broken, living in darkness, uh, under the authority of rulers, and powers, and, and authorities under Satan. That we were all subject to them. We were living in our flesh, and we incapable of living without sin because we were born into it. And so we had a life that led to death. That's all that we had. But that Jesus, who was created before the creation of the world, and everything is for his benefit, came and lived as a man with the fullness of God in him, obeying God to, to you know, to every extent, obeying God completely so that he overcame the world. He was crucified as the sacrifice that was necessary for us and creation to overcome. He overcame, made a mockery of all those rulers and authorities uh, in Satan's kingdom, and he overcame. He formed a new body, a new mankind that Adam was supposed to form, and now we can enter in through Christ. We can be redeemed in him and be a part of this new body, this new family of people who learn God's own way and rule and reign and multiply so that his kingdom comes and God is glorified in mankind as he originally intended. So that was the first two chapters, and now he's saying, you know, he's, let's go on with it. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So he says, you, you died to your old life. So stop thinking, stop dwelling in your mind on things of this world or things of your flesh. But instead, think about things of the Lord, things of the spirit, because that is the life that you are putting on now. Christ is at the right hand of God. Realize that He is your head and come up into the fullness of Him who is at the right hand of God. For you have died. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So, in other words, you are also at the right hand of God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed. So clear, he's making it very clear, these are Christians. But he said, the fullness of Christ isn't yet revealed in you. And so that but it will be. So seek this thing eagerly. And then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So the glory of God will be fully in you, just as it was in Jesus. This is God's plan for us. Five, therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. So he says, anything we go after for the purpose of our flesh is idolatry. We're putting our flesh above God instead of worshiping God as we are meant to, as his holy temple, as a part of his body. Six, for it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. So he said that for those who don't walk according to this way, uh, the wrath of God, full judgment is coming on them, and he calls them sons of disobedience. And he says, you, every one of us, was one of these when we lived according to this way. But now we have entered into a new life. Eight, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and freeman, but Christ is all and in all. So all these ways, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abuse of speech, lying, um, any evil practices such as these, put them all aside. This is all part of the old life, so you should not be living in these ways any longer. But you should put on a new self, continually die to your old life, continually put on this new life of Christ, and continually be renewed to a true knowledge of Christ in you. God wants to make you like him. So he's continually renewing you, transforming you to be like him. So put on this image that he sees you as a renewal in which there's no distinction. And so then he he just all the different ways that we can separate ourselves from other people None of them matter. What matters is Christ in us, the hope of glory. 12, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. So he's he's saying, the ways of the world were those other things, the anger, the malice, all those things we listed. He said, instead, put on these ways of God, which are compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with one another, forgive each other. Hasn't God forgiven you? Then how can you hold anything against another Forgive them just as God has forgiven you. And beyond everything else, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. That each of us united in Christ is united completely in his love. And that is more powerful than anything else. And so we set everything else aside knowing that we are in his love. And we love one another just as he loves us. And that we realize we have been made one body you don't hurt, you don't try to hurt part of your body. And if you realize we're all part of the same body, you don't try to hurt each other who are part of this same body of Christ. And be thankful in all things. Continually be filled with gratitude and thanks. 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in de- in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So how do we let the word of Christ richly dwell within you? Well, we ought to be reading it often, right? We ought to be meditating on you know? it. We ought to be in prayer. The word of God comes both through the written word and through the spirit, right? So reading the word of God and being in prayer are the two ways that we connect with this. And we're supposed to allow these realities of Christ to richly dwell in us. So reading the word of God and praying, listening to God, just meditating on God is how we let this dwell in us with all wisdom, teachings, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns. So it gives a list. We've got psalms. We've got hymns. We've got spiritual songs. Sing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Worship God in this way, and you will grow in these things. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. So he says, your entire life needs to be dedicated to the Lord. It's not something you just do on one day of the week and then go about a normal worldly life. Your entire life, whatever you do or whatever you say, should be in the name of the Lord Jesus. Continually giving thanks to him through him to God the Father. Continually giving thanks to Jesus who brings you before the Father. And then he switches just as it's, it's pretty incredible. Both Colossians and Ephesians are very high level. They talk about the true spiritual nature of life. And both of them teach these deep, powerful truths and then turn and talk about family relations that should show us how very important it is to that, how our family relations are. I mean, it's a, it's an inherent thing. And if you're married or have kids, like this is, this is a core part of life. So just as he just finished talking about whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. He's saying, well, what do you do every day if you're married? You, you, you deal with your spouse, right? You have relations with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents. This is an integral part of life. It's, it's core. And so how you do these things is core to your spiritual life as well. 18, wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands love your wives and do not be embittered against them, so w- wives realize your your husband is the he- is your head, uh, as is fitting in the Lord that He has arranged it this way. Husbands love your wives, treat them as Christ uh, treated the church, sacrificing everything for them, but leading them in the way of the Lord, and don't be embittered against them, um if. If there's difficulty, don't be bitter, but with all patience and endurance, help lift them up. 20 children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So God loves it when we obey in the order that he has assigned. So children should do this and and enjoy it. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, so that they will not lose heart. So uh, you know I, I i can look at myself and see how i've made these mistakes before build them up Can't you think they, they, you must teach them obedience you must teach them order but do so in a loving kind gentle way to build them up so that they do not lose heart and that they're growing all the time in the lord slaves i always equate this best to uh employees because sense. Slavery is uh, mostly rare. Uh, it still exists, but I don't happen to know a slave. You probably don't know either. But, uh, every, you know, employees, we're all familiar with that, whether you are one or you have them or you just have friends and family who are. That's common. So, that's the best way to read this. Uh, Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart. Fearing the Lord. So in whatever we do, we we work as it, well. He's about to say that, so I won't steal his line. But uh, if we work for someone, do it. As unto the Lord, um, work hard even when they're not looking, even when you get no reward. Realize that you're working for God because He has put you in that situation, and uh, and and don't be upset about the fact that you work for others and you must be told what you have to do from time to time. Realize God is sovereign over everything. Twenty three. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance so again this is whatever you do whether you work for someone work for yourself do whatever you're doing do it as unto the Lord knowing the Lord is watching the Lord knows exactly what you're doing and how you're how you're living your life are you living it to him are you indulging in the flesh or or other disobediences, or are you living as unto the Lord He will bless each one according to their own work, and there will be rich reward for how you live this life. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. So always keep that in mind no matter what you do. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. We have a judge. We all go before him. And we, you know, as far as salvation that all you need is christ for that as far as how have you lived your life have you lived it the way christ has taught you to live it to grow up and be transformed like him and obey the father like him well then there's going to be incredible reward for you in that for all time eternity going beyond time or do we just get by in the fact that we're saved and you know we squeak in but then we just realize we waste it's like if you have a big important game it's the championship and and you got you know 15 minutes to warm up before the game are you just going to mess around and not be focused on what the game plan is and what you're going to do or are you going to kind of put some effort in so that you'll have a good game well that 15 minutes is this life this life maybe it's 100 years but that's nothing compared to eternity and so we have this little bit of time to decide how close to the head do we want to be how close to the father to this, the to the throne before God do we want to be we're blessed either way to be with him for eternity but don't you want to know more of him don't you want to know more of the mystery don't you want more of the the goodness of God he freely wants to give all of it to you but Only those who truly choose him and walk in this way receive that. And then we're on to the last chapter, chapter four. So masters or employers, grant to your slaves or employees justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. So treat others the way you want God to treat you. Two, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. So he says, Live your life in prayer and keep alert. Have an attitude of thanksgiving. Having a thankful heart is so important for a life of faith. And so he brings it up often. But he says also, pray for us. We, we want your prayers so that the Lord will use us and, and give us this grace to bless others. Five, conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. So realize every interaction that you have is an opportunity for the glory of God to be revealed to somebody. And so be conscious that you're living a spiritual life. You're an emissary of the king and his kingdom. And so look at every interaction as an opportunity and be let your speech be filled with grace and, and know season with salt so that you're... Of course I use the word peppered peppering in uh, uh salting in just the opportunity for the Lord or discussion of the Lord to be opened up so that and and always be prepared to share the Lord if the timing is right. Don't go around trying to blast Jesus's name to every everyone in every conversation as if you're beating them over the head with it' because you, you there's no grace in that, but be prepared always. If you're living your life under God, he's going to come up, right? So always be prepared if someone takes the hook. Um, if the salt seems good to them and they want more, be prepared to share them more. And then the rest of the book, it's, it's kind of about people and particulars of, of them. So I'll see if there's anything that stands out to me. It's the farewell part of the book, but let me read through it here. Okay, I mean, there, there's some interesting little things, but the only thing that really stands out to me um, is, uh, I think this might be the only place where it's clearly stated that Barnabas and Mark are cousins, so that's, you know, interesting. We've, we've talked about them enough, I, I won't go into that, but it's very clearly pointed out here. And then the next thing he points out that stands out to me has to do with Luke, because I had uh, heard it early in my walk that every writer of the Bible was uh, Jewish except for um, Job, because Job came before, uh, you know, there was a possibility of being Jewish, he came before Judah, he came before uh, Abraham, and so obviously he wasn't of that line. Uh, but then, but, you know, if we exclude him, Luke, that Luke was the only non-Jewish writer of the Bible. And then I had somebody tell me, eh, I don't know about that, which made me question it. Okay, well, is Luke really, maybe he is Jewish. Why am I believing that? I just heard somebody teach it. Well, I think the rationale for that is in this this chapter right here. Because uh, Paul says in verse 11, he, after listing a few people, He says, these are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision and they have proved to be an encouragement to me. So they're from the circumcision, meaning they're Jewish. And these are the only ones that have helped. And then he goes on to list more people who are so, you know, logically um, not of the circumcision. and, And Luke is listed. So that's why we would think Luke is probably a Greek, not a Jew, and so if you ever wondered that, <laughs> I used to, there is, I'm sure that's why, I I mean, I, I just kind of came across this, but I'm I'm assuming that's why people say that, and it makes sense to me. So having read that, I assume Luke was not Jewish, because that makes the most sense when you read this. And Paul also mentions that Luke is a physician, uh, so if you've heard him called that, that's, I guess we learn a lot about Luke right in this little chapter. And that's pretty much it. Again, there's lots of uh, Uh, greetings and uh you know it's interesting stuff to and you can see connections that come up in other letters like philemon and stuff but i'm just going to leave this recording there and uh on to the next book god bless you